1: And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. The Ringers' Danny Kelly is on the show today to talk NFL draft it is always great to get DK on the program he is one of the smartest football people in NFL media and genuinely one of the nicest people in NFL media as well tomorrow on the show Packers tight end presumed tight end one Jay Sternberger is on the show uh, we had a, a very fun conversation yesterday, and I wanted to give you time to know about it. I wanted to give me time to promote it. I wanted a lot of people to be ready to hear from Jace. Uh, he is a fun guy to talk to, if for no other reason than he's got just a tremendous Oklahoma accent. Uh, so we, we talk some Tiger King, <laughs> not a joke, uh, and we talk about his college journey from... Kansas to to JUCO and and then to Texas A and M, getting recruited by Jimbo Fisher, and all of the the adjustments that he needed to make. And then in the NFL, we talked about the touchdown in the NFC Championship game, what that was like, and how that came about. And then what he's looking forward to for 2020, what Matt Lafleur told him to do to get ready for 2020, and a lot more. And speaking of 2020, before we get to DK. Um, That's where I want to start our discussion today. I got a really interesting question from Riley Escobar on Twitter, and he said, Do you think the idea of their, quote, possibly not being a season due to the virus will, in fact, the draft choices this year, like drafting for 2021-2022 instead of winning this year? The uncertainty around the NFL season isn't just about whether there's going to be a season. It is how teams are going to view this modified offseason process. So how much will it affect their draft picks, for example? How much will it affect their willingness to put together contracts? How much will it affect their willingness to do trades? We don't have answers to these questions, but we we have to assume that the answer is not zero. There is not no effect. There will be some effect, some way that teams alter their viewpoint in all of this because there necessarily has to be. The facts on the ground have changed. And one of the the critical factors in a young player's development, a rookie's development, is that 1st off season, they're in the program. You get in, you have rookie camps, you learn the playbook, you get to spend time around other NFL players. You go into OTAs and the mandatory offseason work, and then you have training camp, and then you have the preseason, and then you have the regular season. And an injury can have major negative effects on the development of a rookie player because it, it takes so much time that you are learning on the field away. And the, the way NFL learning goes, it tends to be exponential. So you have a little, a little, a little, a little, a little, and then that conglomeration of little pieces of information grow into big pieces of progress. And that is another reason why the year two leap is so important. You have someone like Jay Sternberger last year who misses the early part of the season because of an injury. He comes in, and he's got to learn a new position. Well, now he's got a full offseason to try and prepare to be in the NFL program, to be with the Packers. They're saying, hey, do this. We want you to be this guy. We want you to be at this weight. We want you to be able to do these things. You can build your offseason workouts around that. You then have the mini camps, and the off-season practice work. And then you have the year two leap. Now, it's not a lock that Jay Sternberger makes that leap, but the one of the big reasons that the year two leap is a thing is because you have that whole first year of understanding what it's like to be an NFL player. And then you get to come in and go through another off-season of work all together with this focused environment. And now... You go into training camp with your head on your shoulders. Now, that will still happen to an extent, but we don't know what the kind of interactions are going to be between coaches and players in April, May, June. And we don't know what kind of work they're going to be able to do. Is there going to be able to be classroom work? Are they going to do online learning? Are they going to do Zoom classes? Are they going to be able to have the kind of instruction that's necessary for rookies? So it could hurt your year two development of your young players. It could hurt your free agents. Now, you hope your your veterans are smart enough. They know what's going on to come in and, and have an understanding of what's going on. But you still have to build cohesion. And that takes time, especially if this pushes into July and training camp is augmented and you have a new defensive signal caller and a new right tackle, that creates problems. If you have to incorporate not just a free agent receiver but a rookie receiver, that creates potential problems. And then does it affect the way you draft football players? Do you feel like you need to get someone who's more ready now because they don't get a rookie camp? They don't get mini camps. They they may get an augmented training camp. And that could have deleterious effects on their ability to be ready week one of the NFL season. Okay, so let's extrapolate a little. Let's think about what that could mean for a team like the Packers. We talked extensively yesterday about a Brandon Cooks trade. If it is the case that the Packers are worried that a potential missed spring And the risk of not having a full training camp could have negative effects on a rookie receiver. Does it make it more likely for them to say, hey, Brandon Cooks, why don't you come be on our team? Now, remember, in 2011, there was no offseason process because of the CBA machinations and they went into... The season basically blind. And Randall Cobb went out and had a kickoff return. He had a slant touchdown. He was dynamic in week one from the jump. That is unique. But it can happen. Last year, guys like A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, Hollywood Brown, those guys were were impactful from the jump. Now, they got full off-seasons of work to get there. But... It is interesting that we have a roadmap for this. Randall Cobb came in without offseason work, and, and Aaron Rodgers famously said, I don't care about putting together these outside practices. Drew Brees was like, we're going to practice, we're going to have the guys, we're going to throw, we're going to run routes. And Aaron Rodgers was like, we just won the Super Bowl. Our people need a break. We had to play you know, on the road three straight games and then go to the Super Bowl and win. We had to play two extra playoff games in the regular season to get into the playoffs. People need a break. We're going to be fine. And it turned out, at least offensively, they were fine. Now, is betting on that the best thing? Maybe, maybe not. Now, is altering your draft strategy because of this the best thing? I would say no. If it were me, if I were in that front office or any front office – and advising the decision-makers or making the decisions myself, I'm saying I don't make decisions for 2020. I'm drafting players for 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, and beyond. And so I'm I'm the person that is saying I don't care if a rookie is good as a rookie. I don't worry about that stuff because you want the best player overall. And if you worry only about their ability to help you in year one, you're going to miss out on really talented players who maybe need a little bit more time to develop, or who have flaws that are fixable and that you can work with, who maybe need some on-the-job training. I mean, without getting too far into the weeds on this, this is why it's always amused me. Oh, Rashawn Gary is a a developmental player. Fans are mad that they picked a developmental player, and then are mad he didn't play. Well, if he's a developmental player, he's not going to play because he needs to develop. So... (laughs) I think teams need to be given more latitude from fans, from media, from all of us and and say, look, most rookies are bad. And so worrying about what they are as a rookie is just not the right way to do this. And I think smart teams are not going to worry about the offseason process. They're going to trust their coaches. They're going to trust their culture. They're going to trust the players that they draft to be ready for week one. All right, let's get to Danny Kelly. He is the co-host of the Danisee Football Podcast, part of the Ringer NFL Podcast series. It's on the Ringer NFL channel, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. He's a Ringer staff writer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Danny B. Kelly. Danny, thanks for being with us on Locked on Packers. Of course. Thanks for having me on. So I want to start in a little bit of a different place. We've had a lot of uh, draft people on as we've as we head toward the draft here. It's coming up all of a sudden, just in a couple yeah. weeks, and and that is at the quarterback position. It's been something that has been widely reported. Green Bay has been looking at these quarterbacks. Pre-draft interviews with guys like Tua Tagovailoa, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts. My opinion on this is that if there is someone who you feel like you can't pass on that that franchise guy that is a, a top tier talent you take him. To me that's only 3 guys in this draft. How far down that list is that is that for you and who are those players?
3: Yeah, so for me, the I guess the three guys that stand out in, the, in their own tier, and I would say there's two guys at the top tier, and then there's I think Herbert is kind of in his own little second tier, in my opinion, um, and then from there you have guys with tools and and upside and all those those catchy terms that you use with quarterbacks, but um, in that third tier, like Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, Jacob Eason, um, even Fromm has certain things about him that you you think he might turn into a good pro, so. But I would say, yeah, Burrow and Tagovailoa, easily the top two guys. And I say his name all the time I'm wrong. It's Tagovailoa, but um trying to break that habit. Um, but anyways, yeah. And then Herbert, you know, kind of just, just below those two guys, again, has really, really elite talent, really, really elite skills, but just kind of needs to put everything all together and show that he is that complete package. I think the first two guys have definitely done that.
1: So if – if you're sitting there at 30, those top three guys are the guys in the category that I mentioned. So if, if the Packers did say, you know, say you know Jordan Love is that dude, how would you feel about that as an evaluator?
3: I think getting him at 30 makes a lot of sense. I think that's around the range that I put as like the, the ideal value for him. Obviously, if he falls further and you get him in the second round, that's that's even better. but it, it where it worries me is if you have to jump up into the top 10 to take a guy like love, I do like certain things about him. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of caveats that kind of go into what happened to him in 2019 and why his stats were so bad. But, um, I think, you know, if you can get him at the end of the first round, I think that's fine value. And, and you know, that's a, that's a spot where you get that extra fifth year. So you can use that as a sort of developmental tool. Um, you can let him red shirt for a couple of seasons if you want, and then you can try and work out some of the kinks and some of the issues that he had in 2019, like the decision-making and, just the overall issues with accuracy and all that. Um, So I think, you know, like there's a huge, huge difference, I think between early in the round and late in the round. And if, if you think he can be a franchise quarterback, or at least a guy that you can develop to be the leader of your offense, I think that's fine value. I don't think that's like a waste in my opinion. And um, obviously the Packers um, know with, from experience kind of how that all worked by, grabbing Rogers when he started to fall surprisingly on draft day, even though they had a franchise quarterback at the time, there's so many parallels, you know? And and so I I don't Mm -hmm. think it's necessarily a waste if they think that's the right route to go. And um, I guess the only question you have is how how many years left does Roger have? And if you think he has more than like three or four more years, you know, of, of good performance, then it is a waste. But if not, then I think that that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, and and the, the position that I think most fans are looking at here is receiver. Um, you know, we've heard a lot about how deep this class is. I, I agree. I think it's very deep, but I I do think there's a clear drop off in talent as there is in every draft. I think it happens somewhere around pick fifty. So yeah. if the Packers don't take a receiver in the first i mean is there someone in the second or even third round that that can be that impact player to me it seems like if they want that impact guy you really do have to take him early i think there's a few guys and it's hard to know who will fall into
3: the 50s or whatever but there are a few guys i think that could be pretty early impact players michael pittman is the guy that comes to mind first off um just as sort of like a guy who's flying under the radar a little bit he's got a pretty mm-hmm. complete skill set he's big he's He's athletic. He's he's strong with the ball. He's a good special teamer. He's all that. I think he could contribute early on in his career. But in terms of overall impact, you might have to, like you said, you, you probably want to grab a guy in the first round if you really don't want to risk it. Because there's, I think there's a certain amount of question marks around all the players that are still going to be around there at fifty. Like Lavisca Chennault potentially could fall a little bit, but he has injury, you know, history has injury issues. He's got. Um, he's a little bit raw as a route runner, so it might take you a little bit of time to get him sort of integrated into your offense. Um, K.J. Hamler is another guy that I think could be interesting for the Packers just because I think they need a lot of speed in their, in their receiving core. They need an injection of speed there, and so he could be an interesting one, but you know, there's question marks around him. He's 176 pounds or something like that. He's very, very small. There's very few players of his size profile that pan out in the NFL, and so mm-hmm. you're sort of betting against... You know the the percentages or whatever that he's going to be a guy that breaks the mold. Um, Brian Edwards in the second round is a very interesting player, second or third round potentially as as a guy who's very strong again with the, with the with the ball. Um, good route. He's runner. getting
1: buzzed now, and I, I have to give you credit. You were the first person I saw. Of, of any of the, the the major outlets out there that had him in the top 50 and and now he's all of a sudden people are talking about him like he he might be in a vacuum pre-injury one of the five or six best receivers in this class
3: yeah that was kind of what I was picking up on early on and then he fell kind of by the wayside for a lot of people because he got injured he couldn't right. take part in the senior bowl couldn't take part in the combine um I think that certainly hurt his hype and everything but i i remember like at the end of the college season people were talking about him as like a second rounder um mm-hmm. and then it's sort of the narrative changed for for multiple reasons but um so i was kind of i feel like i was just maybe like i never wavered i still he he's fallen a little bit for me just because i've kind of fallen in love with a couple other guys in, the, in <laughs> right the, in that area but i still like really really bullish on him as a player i think he's gonna be really good i really love how big and physical he is and and um, he can go up and make like circus catch when he wants, um, but he's also just kind of a reliable guy over the middle. I like how he gets off the line of scrimmage, like quickness to get off the line of scrimmage and all that. So um, yeah. he, he's a very interesting player for me. And then, but I mean, like everybody else in that group, you're like Chase Claypool, Tyler Johnson, Gandy Golden. Um, you know, all of those guys come with pretty major question marks and, and, and maybe longer development time in the NFL. So. Yeah, like back to your main point. Like, if you want an early impact, day one impact guy, might be that first round pick that you want to use.
1: Of those late firsts, you know, there's a, a lot of names. This is an, an incredible class. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims. Um, you know, who am I missing? Even even Michael Pittman, Chenault, Some of those guys. Yeah. Who are who are your favorites in that late twenties, early thirties, maybe even mid thirties type range that that you know you see there. Yeah,
3: so there's... I mean, honestly, it's hard to pick favorites because I like all, all these guys. Yeah. Um, that I think the players that I've kind of been giving the Packers when I've been trying to do mock drafts and just projecting kind of like what they need in that offense. Um, I really like Mims. I think Mims would add an element that they are missing. Um, Ayuk in that offense is very interesting to me because he's very different sort of style receiver than a lot of mm-hmm. the guys on that team right now. And... You know his explosiveness, his run after the catch. Is, he could be used in multiple ways in that offense. Um, I think that like Rager and if Justin Jefferson is still there, he could be a huge value at that spot. I think just because um, he could just dominate on the inside. You could you could let yeah. Devontae Adams do his thing on the outside. Um, You're
1: speaking my language, Jefferson. That's my dude.
3: Yeah, and he to me, so like I've been using this as sort of a. Um, stylistic comp, he reminded me of Doug Baldwin in his ability Mm -hmm. to, you know, get guys in a blender as a route runner. He's, you know, he's, he's obviously a little bit limited, I think in his ability to play on the outside people are worried about his ability to play on the outside. But I mean, when you get a guy who can dominate on the inside, like, why are you worried about what you can do outside? I think mm-hmm. so obviously, you know, there's schematic limitations. You have to have, be running three receiver sets, all that stuff. If, if you want to have a slot guy that, that really contributes on all three downs. But I think he's just so good. He's so good in the red zone. So good in traffic, touchdown maker, go up and get the ball reliable. A lot of things I think that really mesh well with Aaron Rodgers style, too, just because, mm-hmm. you know, Rodgers throws with anticipation. He'll let you go up and get the ball like he'll throw it into a crowd and let you go up and get it. I think Jefferson would be a pretty good fit with with Aaron Rodgers style.
1: A couple other uh, names that I've seen comped with Jefferson, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that's a good one. I like that one. And the one that I used is sort of a a little bit of a supercharged Robert Woods. I think he. Oh yeah,
3: that's an interesting one too. Uh, Just off the top of my head, like Keenan Allen kind of comes to mind also. Just like a taller Mm. slot guy who's really good, sort of route runner, get guys turned around, things like that. So um, yeah, he's to me he's Uh, he's an interesting prospect because a lot of people are sort of, I mean, it's contradictory because he's probably going to be a first rounder, but it seems like people aren't quite as high on him as, as I am. So I don't really know. It, it's all perception, but I, I really like him as a player.
1: Not on this podcast, Danny. We are big <laughs> fans of Justin Jefferson nice. on this podcast. Uh, all right. So this is a question that I've asked a couple of our guests over the last few weeks. Um, your boss, Bill Simmons, is a big fan of this idea of doing the thing that your opponent least wants you to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I'm just thinking about, you know, this. the Seahawks are a team that that are going to be fighting with the Packers in the NFC. If if we replay the NFC divisional round game and add a, a potential player from this draft to the Packers, who would be the guy that is reasonable that they could add that you would go, oh, shit. <laughs> That's a really
3: good question. I love, I, first of all, I love the premise of that. Um and it feels like a lot of really freaking good players are getting added to the NFC West lately. So it, I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> like John Hopkins is in the <laughs> NFC West now? Great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. The first guy, honestly, that comes to mind is Ayuk. I just think mm. he is so electric and explosive and good after the catch. He's that home run hitter. And it doesn't really feel like the Packers have guys like that outside of Aaron Jones. Um, right? You know, obviously, Devontae Adams is a stud. Like, nothing against him. But, like, Ayuk has the speed element that, number one, I think the Seahawks would struggle against. Like, a lot of teams would struggle against unless you have elite team speed, um, which the Seahawks haven't really had since, you know, they're going through a transition period with their their defense. And I think that would be something they could struggle against. So Ayuk is just kind of the first guy that comes to mind. But really, Rager, Mims, and Jefferson are all really, really – you know bring their own different thing to it but I, I think overall like having an extra receiver like a dominant receiver could really take i think the packers offense to the next level cuz they were doing what they were doing with you know UDFAs and, and guys that really just weren't playing well at receiver and so if they if they add like yeah. a star receiver i just think that offense could could explode
1: it was uh, it was a lot of bailing wire and sheet metal i mean it was not <laughs> yeah. it was it was not high level high draft pedigree stuff there is one area where we can I want to sort of merge this question this is the the two arms coming together meme in this way <laughs> the the 49ers trade Forrest Buckner and they get this high pick now yeah and i think a lot of especially nfc playoff team fans are looking at this going oh no if yeah. they get Jerry Judy if they get Henry Ruggs if they get one of these dudes they could just be silly next year yeah. so who is that guy for you with the 49ers? Because I'm sure Packer fans have that guy too. Hmm.
3: Yeah, i I really kind of waffle between Lamb and Judy, but mm-hmm. I would say I would say probably Judy. I just think like his route running, his ability to like get open, shake receiver, like shake cornerbacks in space, really would hurt the Seahawks, who are generally speaking like their their corners are bigger. Um, you know, they can play guys deep. Like the biggest rule for the Seahawks is don't get beat deep. And a guy like Ruggs, obviously he's going to stress that defense, but if they're like selling out to not get beat deep, um, they could potentially like sort of take him out of the game or whatever in theory. Um, But like a guy like Judy who can just do so much damage underneath would to me just be so debilitating for the Seahawks. Like (laughs) on third downs and just like, you know, just keep getting picking up first downs, keep getting chunk yards underneath, run after the catch. You know his ability in the open field. Um, So I would that would be kind of where I lead, but like I'd be terrified if they get Lamb. I, you know, just like one of those things. These guys are all really good. Rugs is an yeah. explosive dimension too, but I think Judy probably fits that offense really, really well for what Shanahan does. And yeah, that would be
1: that would. Is, is it be weird that? I think Lamb and Judy are better receivers and re- better receiver prospects, but the thought of Henry Ruggs with Kyle Shanahan <laughs> yeah. is mortifying to me. The, like, yeah, the only his thing ability I would say to create space like, as a as a coordinator to get guys open, it's just like, how is anyone going to recover? Yeah. if you guess wrong, you're just not going to recover to him. It's just over. I know, I know.
3: It, yeah, he changes changes the way that you have to defend an offense. I think that's why he's going to go so high. It's not necessarily just because he can hit the home run. It's like you have to account for him on every play, but do you trust Jimmy G to like hit him consistently? That's the question. You know, I think um, with with Garoppolo's skill set, it might be more important to get a guy like Judy. But I don't know. I'm just projecting based on yeah that that terrible throw in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so you know, that's obviously he's not going to miss that every single time.
1: All right, so let's finish up here. Uh, last one. So if if uh, I have to put you on the spot, changing gears a little bit. You know, we have this extended playoff system now. How much do you think the top of the NFC has changed over the last few weeks and could change when we come out of the NFL draft? Who are those, that you know, the six, seven teams that, that you are looking at at the top of the NFC yeah, right now? Yeah, that's, that's tough. So, I think the NFC East,
3: to me, is still really wide open. I think, obviously, mm-hmm. the Eagles and Cowboys are sort of the favorites in that, in that division, but... You know, it's kind of an anything-goes type scenario for that. I would say those are two top ones, but I would not necessarily yeah. say that either of them are locks to be, like, dominant in the NFC. I would say the NFC North, again, could have three good teams. Even you throw in the Lions, like, who were terrible last year, but they lost their quarterback, and there was just a lot of issues. But I'm a, be- I'm a believer in Stafford. was good last year. What's that?
1: Stafford was good last yeah, year. Yeah, I'm a believer really in Stafford.
3: Good. I'm a believer in Beville. Um, and so I think they could maybe be surprising. So going down and through the things, I think that, you know, obviously the Seahawks 49ers, generally speaking, are going to be competitive. I think the Saints look like the class in the NFC South. I think the Falcons have a good enough offense to bounce back and, and sort of may, be a contender. Um, but I would say the NFC West and NFC North, to me, stand out as like the two dominant divisions in the NFC. And I would say, you know, Seahawks 49ers, Saints, Packers, Vikings, and potentially even the Bears with Foles could be pretty good contenders in there. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, how. What? How am I answering this question? What is? What is the actual? What's the question? How? How is everything shaken up?
1: Well, just, just how much has the top? You know, we had six playoff teams last year. Yep. How much of that is different? It sounds like you don't think it's going to be that different.
3: No, I. So, like, yeah, I mean, obviously the Buccaneers are sort of a wild card with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's like the big wild card in the division. I think the Bears. And the Bucks. I kind of think that's going to be a mess. Yeah. The Bears and the Bucks stand out to me as teams that could be like better than people are thinking they're going to be right now. Like the Buccaneers, especially, who had a really good defense quietly last season. Um, Yeah. It would help if they didn't, you know, throw a million interceptions. Like, imagine how different (laughs) of a complexion that is. So um, I think they're probably, you know, a team that could threaten for the playoffs. I, I mean, there's a reason Tom Brady went there.
1: There is. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we get it. Hopefully we have a season that starts on time. Hopefully we're able to get training camp. Hopefully we'll have God, football yeah. to talk about sooner rather than later. Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, let my audience know where they can find more of the work you're doing.
3: Yeah, so uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. and I've got an NFL draft guide up at TheRinger.com. And you can find me on the podcast game. at the, It's on the Ringer NFL show feed at the Danisee Football Podcast.
1: All right, Danny. Appreciate it, man. Take care.
3: No problem. Thank you.
0: David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's killer bread, it is the epitome of addition Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
2: Home. You were a lot more than just a home this year. Thank you for letting me eat all those meals at my desk or take all those morning meetings from bed. Make the office chair my midday nap spot, our area rug my yoga mat, and our closets into storage for all our anxiety shopping. Yeah, you wore a lot of hats while we mostly wore sweatpants which now have their very own dresser drawer thanks to you. I know it wasn't always great. We accidentally killed a lot of plants, learned a lot of really bad dance moves, relearned a lot of fourth grade math, spent a whole month rearranging the office furniture every day, but you always gave us space to sleep it off. So thank you, home. At IKEA, we think home deserves more credit for staying organized even when life is messy, for keeping us energized, for boosting our calm, home does a lot for you which is why we want to do more for your home find new home office bedroom and organization solutions at IKEA
1: all right I want to thank Danny again for being a part of the show love that conversation uh, he you could tell he the wheels are really turning on the on the questions about the Seahawks and and what he didn't want to see he's yet another person who thinks you get that explosive receiver on this Packers team, and they go to the next level. It is why I continue to believe that receiver is the the way to go in the first round. The player I have zeroed in on, Brandon Ayuk, it was reported yesterday, he's going to have core muscle surgery. It's part of the reason I, I launched into this whole A-block discussion about players because he's hurt and isn't going to play in a rookie camp because there is no rookie camp, so he can have the surgery – knowing that he's probably not going to be on the field until July at the earliest. He can get a full recovery. It's something that he might have gone through so that he could get on the field and get the work in and learn the playbook and and get some reps. But because that's not a thing, he can get the surgery now, fully rehab and be ready in training camp. This is a better scenario for him because if you go in and you have this issue, now you're compensating, you can create other problems potentially for your body and put yourself at further risk for injury in in training camp for example you go out and and you push it in rookie camp you have OTAs that you have to go to you could be putting undue strain on your body and put you at risk for injury and then maybe you get surgery and you're not ready for training camp or you've got these other ailments that prevent you from fully rehabbing that injury so this is actually a benefit to him i don't think it's going to affect his draft stock but that is the name that I am zeroing in on right now and I think is going to be high on the list for the Packers come the draft. All right, Jay Sternberger on the program tomorrow and a lot more coming this week. On Friday, we're going to talk about Matt LaFleur types, guys that he will target or, or is likely to target based on what this scheme is. Requires based on what he likes from his his players, the diversity of skill sets, all that stuff. So we're going to try and figure out which players in this draft fit the kind of things Matt Lafleur wants to do with this offense. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers at any time. You want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. You can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.